You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi, welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news and the sharpest insight from around the world of horse racing. Tom Stanley in for one more day for Nick Luck, who is on his way to York today for what should be an excellent day's racing. The feature is the Albasti Eco World Dubai Dante. We'll be speaking to trainer James Ferguson, who sends out El Bodegon. That horse has cemented his position now right at the top of the market. And uh, James tells us a little bit later how much he's looking forward to heading up there to see how his horse gets on. Rishi Passad is my guest today and will shortly be reflecting on a brilliant performance in the Tassels Musidora from the now Oaks favourite Emily Upjohn. But we do start with Highfield Princess who was very, very good dropping back to six furlongs, winning the 1895 Duke of York Clipper Logistics Stakes. Her trainer is John Quinn. Uh, John joins me now. I I know you you couldn't be there. You're at the sales in France. But what were you thinking watching on, John? I'm delighted, really. I mean, we we, we thought thought she she could be quick enough, uh, but we weren't sure um, to be very competitive over six. But we were absolutely blown away with her, really. I mean, I know she she you know she hung left in the closing stages. Almost the fact that she did that and was still so well on top of a, a good looking field, I thought was was very impressive. What did you think about those closing stages? Yeah, like yourself, I, I thought early on, I thought, mm, God, you know, she's she's very comfortable, but then she quickened, drifted a little bit left, but but, but going to the line, she went on again, which was, which was very impressive, really. Mm. Um, I, I know that you know the, the, the quotes were for, were for the um, the platinum jubilee, which I, I guess would seem obvious, would it? Is that what's in the forefront of your mind as to, to what you might do next? Yes, I mean uh, we we were waiting to see you know how we would perform yesterday, and, and that would um, that would map out where we were going to go with her. But you know she's a Group Two winner, she's in at Ascot, she's she's a she's a course winner. Uh, it's the obvious race, so I, I keep her for the for the Jubilee now. Mm. And then we thought all along that Green Morris de Guise uh, a month later would, would, would suit her as well. So that, that's, that's all being well, that's where we're going to go. And, and, and before yesterday, John, if you I know she's won over the seven at Ascot, but, but given she was coming back in trip, I'd guess if you'd have asked me what suits her better, a stiff six or a York six, I'd have probably said an Ascot six just because she was back in trip. So that's encouraging, is it? Oh, very encouraging. Very the, the speed and she's a phenomenal filly. All she's done, all she's done from from dot is improve, improve. But then, you know, when she won at Royal Ascot last year, I thought, God, I thought to myself, I never thought she'd do that. And then she went on again, and she was, ran some mighty races and group races. Uh, and then her last run of the year, after, after you know, she was at every fence last year. Then she ran really well uh, in the in the, the group one on Champions Day. And we sort of thought that uh, maybe six in, in top class company is is maybe a bit too much for her. But it was the end of the long season. She it was a tenth run, um, but, but yesterday she showed that she's well up to, to competing at, a, at at the highest level over six hmm. and, se- and seven, which is which is fantastic, really. 
Yeah, well, exactly. Um, I, and you talk about improve and improve. There aren't many horses that nigh on double their their initial handicap mark. She what, what, was it fifty seven? I think she started off, or she won off fifty eight. I mean, she. I don't know what what the what the handicap is going to make of that yesterday, but it it it's it's some incredible progression. Did you was that ever in your mind she could show this amount of of improvement? No, no, no. I'll be honest with you. She, she was on race as a two year old. She was likable, and I, I said to her owner. I feel she's got ability, but she she she's not really ready to run. And she got a little, a small little niggle towards the back end of of, of her two year old career. And I said to her owner, we should put her away. So as a three year old, um, she ran three times at maidens and, and ran acceptably well. And I said to I said to John Fairley, "Who's going to win a race or two for you?" She's a very good pedigree. And then I mean. The rest, you know, she just she, she just improved and improved. She's a wonderful, wonderful attitude. She puts her head down and she tries and she's lovely for you to train. And did I, did I ever think she'd improved a bit? No, but I'm absolutely delighted. Well, it sounds like you you and, and John and everyone involved are going to have a very exciting season. Thanks for joining me. Good luck. Thank you very much, Tom. John Quinn there, trainer of Highfield Princess, who's a daughter of Darley's Knight of Thunder. And yesterday won the Group Two Duke of York Stakes. Um, Rishi's with me. Rishi, let's let's turn our attention to Emily Upjohn then, and the the New Oaks favourite off the back of mm. that demolition job in the in the Musidora. How impressed were you, Rish? I'm pretty impressed. Uh, I'm always taking these trials in the context of what she beat. Um, she continues to beat what she faces pretty impressively at Sandown and at York. Um, Similar to her, the other horses, or the majority of the other horses, the other quartet, were unexposed, and that's what the trials are all about. So I'd like to see her up against a little bit more proven form, and obviously she will face horses with a bit more proven uh, pattern company form, and that's what uh, the Oaks will, will provide us with. But you can't help but fail to be impressed with the manner in which she goes through the race at the end slightly concerned about the way she goes through the early part of the race yesterday was definitely signs of keenness um and you wouldn't want that to happen at epsom um but she's clearly got an enormous amount of talent and she's a huge player in the oaks but whether or not i'd want to back her at a price like that would be a, a bit of a question mark i think there are a lot of good fillies lining up in the race and of course uh, I own a very small share in in one of them myself tom uh, rogue millennium who obviously not quite the level of um of Emily Upjohn, but that's it's it's the nature of the race. A couple of very very good runs. Horses are un unexposed. They're unbeaten. They go to the race. You just don't know how good they are still. And we will find out on Oaks Day, which is why you know price wise, I'm looking for something a little bit more interesting than Emily Upjohn um, because all the juice is gone. What do you make of the the chance for the Colts to step forward today and the Albastica World Dubai Dante Rishi? Yeah, this is a. <laughs> Uh, this is one where my heart is is going to rule my head, which is why I'm not having a bet in the race. Um, but I would love, love to see Desert Crown emerge as a, a real live contender. Sir Michael Stout, uh, one of the one of the great trainers, one of my favourites, obviously, um, uh, as I'm sure people will know over the years. I've mentioned that, um, and it would be a very exciting were he to have another live Derby contender. Uh, Clearly, the horse has got to improve enormously to be a Derby horse, on, even on the one very impressive win at Nottingham last year. Um, but the fact that he's gone from that race to 
for Dante on his second start <laughs> suggests that whatever signs he's showing Sir Michael at home means that it's good enough for a man who's won the derby with Shergar, Sharistani, Northlight, Workforce, etc., Chris Kin, uh, to go, yeah, do you know what? Let's let's go for a trial, and that in itself is a, is a big is a big pointer to me. I think the quality of the race is, is very good. I think the fact that El Bodigon, the Group One winner, is in there. Um, I quite like the like, the fact that you know there seems to be a positive vibe about Magisterial. So I think we're going to get something. I think we're going to get something useful winning the race today for sure. Um, I would love it to be Desert Crown. Yes, I would love it to see to see that horse step forward. Um, there's that old. Uh, cliche about Nathaniel's only being or Nathaniel being a, a very good sire of fillies but not quite uh, delivering the same sort of impact with the Colts well maybe today that might change and Desert Crown might become a, a live derby contender I like the fact as well that the, the talk is he doesn't have to win you know Sir Michael's and, and the team are saying that uh, they he's not going to be he's only just ready to, to go so there's going to be a lot of improvement. I mean, that's kind of, uh, that's almost taken as granted when I'm talking about Sir Michael Stout horse running, going from run one to two and then obviously on seasonal debut. So um, I'm keeping everything crossed that he does well enough to, to warrant a shot at the Derby after today's race. I, he, he reminds me a little of your, I was going to say your own, he, I mean, he wasn't yours, but Crystal Ocean was your, um, your, your big red heart as far as horses go, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, he ran in a day yeah. and was, I, I remember he was very easy to back, I think on the day, he went out to, to eight to one, I can see. Yeah. It. Desert Crown, you know, he's just proving a touch easy to back. Surely, Rich, if you, if you fancy Desert Crown for a derby at seven to one, say, yeah. you're him at seven to two for the trial, don't you? Yeah, yes, but, but defeat in the Dante doesn't entirely dent his prospects for for the derby so it's possible he, he could see workforce yeah exactly obviously he, he lost to Kate Blanco although he had excuses that day with the bit slipping through his mouth but it's, it's possible that he could drift for the derby after today's race he could get beaten uh, in you know in whatever circumstances transpire so it's possible he could drift so I mean you probably would I, I wouldn't want to back him now for the race um, uh, I, I, I'm what I'm really hoping genuinely is that the horse runs well enough because obviously crystal ocean ran a pretty decent trial in the dante but sir michael didn't want to go to epsom with him um so i'm hoping that the horse runs well enough to to encourage sir michael stout and the team to say yeah this horse has got a shot in the derby let's head there okay well the trainer of the horse that heads the meetings i look at it el bodegon is james ferguson he joins me now james a hugely exciting day for you i'm sure how are you feeling i'm very excited um you know he's uh el bodegon is the horse that sort of um you know, every trainer remembers their first group one win and you know, he's obviously very special to me so to get him back out on the track uh, for our first run of the season um is uh, is exciting you know i think we're, we're you know, we're going full of confidence and um, you know, really, really hoping for, hoping for a good race. And uh, you know, fingers crossed, he can put the best foot forward there today. Now, when I first looked at this um, at this race a couple of days ago, he was about third in. You had you know Desert Crown and Magisterial at the top of the betting, and and then your Group One winner. Um, all changed now, and it and it seems as though everyone's cottoned on to the fact that he has won at the top level. Do you do you think that's right that you know he he is he is the horse to beat? Um, honestly, yes. I think um, you know you, you're taking don't don't take anything away from those horses, but on paper you're you, you know 
uh, you're you're comparing a Group One winner to a novice winner, which you know, however however impressive they are, you know, El Bodegon is battle hardened, and um, he's not, you know, he's he's only he's, he's won two Group races, so it's and he's beaten he's beaten good horses and, and horses that have come out in Frank form, in the likes of Stone Age and Buckaroo. Um, so you know, if you, if you can make um, obviously every every horse he's got to develop from two to three, which I think he has. Um, but if you're going around saying how wonderful Stone Age is, and to be fair, he's done it, he's he's really Frank the Form this year. You know, our bodyguard shouldn't be too far behind. Yeah, I mean, you 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 beaten the, the the Derby favourite, haven't you? So so there you are. Just just tell me a bit about. Obviously, he's a son of Kodiak. Um, there's there's plenty of stamina on on his damn side. Do you? How do you feel he's progressed from two to three? Um, well, you know he he's um, he's tenacious. You know he's a, he's a, he's um, he's got a lot of guts. He's got a lot of will. Um, his far he's not overly big, um, but his far his his full uh, brother is what's called Best Solution, um, and he's he's the mirror image. You know my my father bought Best Solution for Godolphin, and that's why. He, you know, when, when he saw this horse at the sales, that's why he was very keen to buy this. Um, and the solution didn't, didn't grow too much. Um, but he stayed on and was a good three-year-old, four-year-old. And, um, you know, one, one at the top level over a mile and a half. So, you know, as far as his development is concerned, it's in, in his pedigree, it says that he, he should have no problem. Uh, that that was my next question. Do you, obviously, this is a, a derby trial, a key derby trial. Do you feel your horse will get a mile and a half? I don't see why not. He won a Group One over a mile and a quarter um, on soft ground, uh, and you know I think with all of these with all of these things, you know, like like I like I said, you know, his brother managed to do it. Um, you know, Derby's a different matter, and that will be you know a decision that will be made after this race. Um, but um, we're going with plenty of confidence that that, that he'll say anyway. You know, he's. he's He'll be fit and well, and I, 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 you know, I presume being first run of the season is fit enough to go. But I'd also like to think he'll improve for the run anyway. Um, and you know, I, I just think we won't know until we try. Mm. And what's your gut feeling about the ground today? Oh, they said it was riding on the softer side of good yesterday. Um, it'll probably dry up. It's probably a bit windy today. It'll probably dry up a little bit. It'll probably be good ground. You can't be complaining. You can't be complaining if it's good ground because <laughs> then you start avoiding everything. That is. Very true. Um, it's lovely talking about this this you know classic potential horse for you in El Bodegon. Um, you had a, another one in the form of, of Mizon Sen, who can still take in a, a classic. Just just well, initially over not over a mile in in the UK, because such a shame that she she missed that Sunday engagement in the uh, one thousand guineas. Have you decided where she goes, James? Yeah, obviously that was that was that was disappointing. Um, but this is this is horses, and that's the. Uh, you know, my team have done a wonderful job, and um, she, uh, opening well, she did a nice piece of work yesterday. And um, you know, having having spoken to um, State Fire and the cattle team, uh, the racehorse club, uh, we're, we're we're all lined up to go take our chance at the car next weekend. Um, I think she's I think she's quick. Although I think she'll get further in time, I, I do think she's quick enough to win over a mile. Um, and uh, you know, her form shows that she's. Uh, you know, form has been franked again, so um, you know, fingers crossed she can go there and run, run a big race. It would be wonderful to, to get a classic done 
It's a double-edged sword, isn't it, when you see a horse like Cache come out, Wild Beauty Cache come out and win their races, Cache win a Guineas, because that in some ways is good for you because it franks your form, but equally you, I, you you can't help but think what, what might have been, but there are still plenty of engagements for her. Yeah, exactly, and you know, first and foremost, I'm absolutely delighted for George Bowie, he's, a, he's one of my best friends, and we've, we've, we've basically did our assistant ranks together uh, in Newmarket, um, so absolutely thrilled for him and the High Clear team. Um, I thought the cachet would have been very hard to beat on that day. Um, everything went right for her. I think James gave her an enterprise ride and she's been campaigned very well this year. So, um, so to say we would have won yeah, would, would be a very bold statement that would be unnecessary, but I, I certainly think we would have finished pretty close. Mm. Um, I like it that you got, you know, two young guys giving people something to think about in, in Newmarket with some with some proper horses. It's um it, it feels like an exciting time across the training ranks. Oh, it is. Um, you know, it's very exciting. But we're you know we're a very you know, all of us there's a there's a there's a there's a great team of young guys um in racing, not just in Newmarket and um you know we we're all very close friends. It's uh you know, although although it's uh, although racing's a very competitive sport, uh, you wouldn't find a you wouldn't find a sport where people are closer anyway. You know, we, all, we all stick together and we're all looking out for each other. Good luck to, to James today and with mise-en-scene as well, heading to the Curra, where she's likely to face Fozzie Stack's Hermana Estrella. Uh, a, a brief um, exchange with, with Fozzie yesterday. Uh, I was asking him to come on the podcast, talk about the run in France this weekend. and He suggested that um, his once-raced filly is going to wait because of the ground, because he could be pretty quick this weekend in France. He's going to wait for the Irish 1,000 guineas. Well, if you are thinking of going to York today and the next couple of days, you can uh, roll up on the gate. There are tickets available there and um, the weather looks set fair and, and should have a lovely couple of days on the Knavesmire. All races are worth a minimum of, of 20 grand and the, the Patton Company races are at their richest ever and they're hugely competitive, so well worth the day out to York. And that's not all you can see at York today and tomorrow. Harriet Rochester, the marketing manager at York, joins me now to to talk about Remy, who racing fans will know a little bit better as, as Gold Dream. And um, and he is the, the new racehorse ambassador. What a lovely idea this is. Tell us a, a little bit more, Harriet. Yes, morning, Tom. Uh, yeah, no, we're really delighted to welcome our first equine ambassador of your racehorse uh, in Gold Dream. And he um, is basically a, um, a horse that, or former racehorse um, who is now with a local charity based to York called New Beginnings, um, who rehome and retrain racehorses. And what he's he's there for race goers to sort of he's in the clock tower enclosure and he's there for for race goers to sort of go and meet and really sort of understand. Firstly, if people haven't met a, met a horse or racehorse before, it's yeah they're, they're incre- We know we know they're incredible creatures and you know sort of I would implore that it's. Yeah, but it's an amazing experience to just go and be with a horse, um, but also sort of to demonstrate that yeah, he, he has been a phenomenal horse on the track. He was a, um, he's a dual group one winner, he won the King's Stand Stakes and then the Prix de l'Abbé at Longchamp. Um, but he's he's now, I mean, when you see him now, he, he's, yeah, he, he's, he was a little firecracker and now he's, you can still see he's that physically, but he loves being around people and he will be lapping up the attention I can assure you <laughs> and I love the idea of a of a, an equine ambassador I think it's a I think it's a great idea is 
Now, is he going to be a, a fixture of a few York uh, meetings, do you think? Is is he going to be sort of a regular on, on different race courses as well? Yes, yeah, so, so he is here for um, a number of, sort of our key fixtures across this year. And he's also joined by a couple of his friends um, and Popular Pony, actually, from, hmm. from who are all sort of live at New Beginnings. But we, we're also working with him and we very much want him to sort of be um, a big focus of activity in, in our work, sort of developing our connection with the local community and really sort of taking Remy to communities and to people who might not have the chance to, to meet a horse or, you know, in, in Remy's case, a former racehorse. And just so people can really feel you know, what the benefits are of, of, of just being with a horse. It's, um, you know, I, I think it's really important to demonstrate what, what, what horses can do for people and what people do for horses. And I, uh, yeah, and I, I guess we're seeing a little bit more of that with, um, you know, taking taking horses into to different parts of the community and how beneficial that can be to people. And you know, it's amazing how few people outside of our little world have have got up close and personal to a to even a horse, let alone a race course race horse. So it it, it should be a great experience for the people. Absolutely, I, I, you know, you really see that, and yeah, you know, I've seen it, and I know that the. Um Pam and Kevin at New Beginnings, you know, they see it nearly on a daily basis when they you know, take either Remy or, or one of their other horses into a situation where people basically have not met a racehorse before, like the powerful effects it can have. Um, and and you know, these might be just, just communities who just, you know, just horses have not been on their radar throughout their lives for whatever reasons, or it might be communities that are, you know, just needing that lift in life and that that bit of kind of comfort or therapy to just to just be with a horse and touch a horse and I think they are powerful creatures and and it's a really powerful experience to see that happen. Um, Harry, I was I was yeah sad not to be there yesterday. I love York and, and love this meeting. Um, a bit in the press about attendances being being down as they are with you know, seemingly across the sport at the moment, which is a shame. What what was the atmosphere like? Did you did you feel that at all, or was it sort of still as good as ever? The atmosphere was amazing. Um, I mean, obviously, with Emily Upjohn just being such a phenomenal winner yesterday, um, you know, the crowd really appreciated seeing such an exciting filly on the track. Yeah, and then we had to cult gold matching um, Copper Knight who comes today with a mm. six timer. So yeah, the racing was phenomenal, and, and the, yeah, the crowd loved it and to be back there. Yes, we were a bit down, but look, we've got today to look forward to and tomorrow, and we'd hope to see you know a bit of a bit of an increase on those numbers across the two days. Rishi attendances. Um, I think William Darby. You know he he was sort of intimating yesterday, and and and, and Lee made the point as well that maybe. Raw crowds were back for the Dante meeting for the first time in three years. We we might see a, a reduction in numbers, and and so it proved. And that's really been the tale of the the start of the end of the jump season, start of this flat season. Uh, unfortunately, Tom, I think this is just the way things are going to go for a while. I personally, uh, you know, for a start, we have a lot of racing. Uh, so you're asking people if you want people to to come racing, you're asking them to continuously dip into their luxury pounds which uh unfortunately the world we're living in at the moment uh many many people don't have that anymore and attendances are going to suffer i mean we're hearing about obviously turnover um betting wise at, at race courses i mean it I, i'm a, i'm afraid that we're in a downward spiral 
at the moment, and I believe it will continue for a significant period of time. Um, I don't know what racing can do to arrest that. You know, maybe cutting back on the fixtures is one way of doing it because then it it reduces the the sort of the economies of scale of how much you're spending. Um, but uh, I, I believe that. Uh, it, it's outside of, of racing's control. It's, it's an economic factor that's much wider than, the, than, than racing, than sport. It's, it's the world we're living in. And I, I, I fear that um, it's going to last for a while. Yeah, not a, not a comment per se on the popularity of the second best attended sport in the UK, but a sign of the, the times mm-hmm. we're in. Would you, be more, Very much so. would you be more concerned, Rishi, about the lack of runners that we had at Fontwell, where uh, Fontwell are, are going to refund racecoers who booked advance tickets for the for the fixture today, because only thirty six runners are set to appear at the West Sussex track across seven races. Yeah, considering this topic, uh, and there there are two things going through my mind. One is, it's a it's a, it's a precarious precedent to set for from a business point of view. Uh, for a uh, for a business like Fontwell to to because of the, the number of entries they've received and the number of declarations to then say right we're going to refund if we don't hit a certain target because that's obviously something that's not the general um, mo for racecourses but morally it feels like the right thing to do so <laughs> as a as a human being I'm saying yeah I think they've done the right thing. Um, but I would understand from a business point of view, if some people went, well, I'm not going to follow in Fontwell's footsteps. I'd rather, you know, we, we advertise we're going to have six races. We have six races, whatever the field sizes for that might be. Because I, I think the danger in terms of a business precedent for what Fontwell are doing is that we're going to have more of this happening. At, we've, we're seeing it, you know, the, the general decline in average field sizes over the last few years is, is pretty obvious. Um, so, and it's, again, it's probably going to continue for a long time or at least until something significant is done to arrest it, as opposed to just 300 races. Um, you know, it's better than nothing, but, um, if that's the case, then you know, race courses, if they follow Fontwell's lead, will, will pop, pop possibly be doing this more often than on the odd occasion. Well, you'd imagine crowds will be decent this weekend and there'll be a, a number of runners as well. We, we're doing this before declarations for the lock-in on Saturday. Um, Rob Hornby's got a, a big ride in the race in the form of alcohol-free. He's with me now. Um, but we'll start, Rob, with the, the Musidora. You rode in the race and I take it the consensus was that the winner is pretty good. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. Uh, I think she was very impressive by his... I was obviously quite. I was in the race with Sandra. I was quite taken with taken with her performance that day. She, um, you know, she obviously stepped forward from her debut when at Wolverhampton to um, to look quite impressive at Sandra, and then to go and step forward again today at York was um, was it was quite a taking performance. I, I rode in both races, and uh, especially today, I actually ended up making the running in the Michidora today, and thought I went a nice level gallop the whole way and, and built it all the way through and. Um, yeah, the way she kind of just travelled with so much ease and then was able to quicken and two and a half down and put the race to bed, it was, um, I think we might have just bumped into the ocean at <laughs> I mean, that's how the market has it, certainly. Yeah, she, she looked very impressive. Um, the filly the, the you were on, she's got some notable entries. She obviously won over a mile on, on her debut back end of last year. What was your takeaway with her performance? Yeah, no, absolutely. 
absolutely. Um, she obviously only had the one run last year, didn't do anything wrong, and was able to win on on her debut. Um, I do think she's a filly that will stay a lot further in time. It's all there in her pedigree. Um, you know, today was a nice kind of starting point for her to see where to see where we're at, really. But um, yeah, we definitely learned today that she we can go up to a mile and a half. She's going to improve for the Reddits. It's kind of one of those, I think, uh, you know, you can do so much at home, but um, with a lightly race filly like her, you, you're best off just to see, you know, let her have a run and see it all again on the track and, uh, and see where we are. So I think we can step her up again. Uh, like I say, she's going to come on fitness-wise and um, there are going to be some nice targets for her now. I would be confident she'd even stay at mile six, um, you know, in time, when she, the more she matures and uh, progresses. Um, the, the market has it in the in the Yorkshire Cup. You're going to be seeing the back of Frankie Dettori again with with Stradivarius. Do you think it's as simple as that, or, or do you think Max Vega has a lot more to offer back up in trip? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I was really impressed with Max Vega what he did to, uh, on his on his first run of the year at Newbury. He's um, he was one of those ones where again we hadn't really asked too many questions at home coming into the Newbury run and for him to go and do it. So impressively that day, I was I was quite taken actually. He's, he's obviously he's, he's got up five pounds and he's still got a you know a little bit to find uh, or quite a bit to find with Stradivarius. But um, you know Stradivarius isn't getting any younger. We've got to we've got to realise that. Um, and my boy, I mean, he's relatively lightly, lightly raced and seems to really be coming into his own now. And uh, especially after that Newbury run. There was always a lot of confidence that he'd improve a great deal for it because he, he still hadn't quite come in his coat. Um, and like I say, we haven't asked too many questions at home. So, I mean, the, the race looks tailor made for him really for, for that next step up into um, into this kind of company. And um, yes, I mean, Stradivarius, his, his record is uh, is all there to, to see, but he's, uh, he's, he's not getting any younger and we'll definitely try, try and serve it up to him. Absolutely, I mean, it's it's um it's a, a small field, but it's a fascinating race nonetheless. Right, the I'll be honest, the, obviously the main reason I'm calling is because we're going to see alcohol free in the in the lockage on on Saturday. Um, it looks like there's a very good horse to to beat in that, but I'm interested with with regard to where sort of you and the team felt she was at, at Sandown on that reappearance because. I suppose the obvious thing was, you know, she was easy in the betting, easy to back, and and she no doubt ran below her best, Rob. Yeah, it was um, it was one of those really. I mean, she had the hood on for her first run of the year, just because we wanted to make sure she, you know, she kind of did it all the right way round. Uh, you know, small field, messy enough race, uh, but, but but one thing, I mean. You know, with these fillies, especially, um, you know, year older, it might just take them a little bit longer to, to get cherry ripe and, and get get um, get her ready. And I just think she might have blown the cobwebs away a little bit. Um, we've been very happy with her at home in between. Um, and I believe she's going to run without the hood on this time. So, you know, that, that run would have just not the edge of her. She would have definitely come on for the run. Um, at Sandown, and without that hood now, hopefully that just um, doesn't dilute any of her kind of acceleration and uh, what she can do inside the last couple of furlongs. And um, I was quite pleased to see a, a drop of rain uh, this morning in the, in the Newbury area. 
which she, she obviously enjoys and would appreciate. So, uh, no, I mean, it's obviously disappointing not to have won uh, last time I sat down, but I think we learned a little bit in defeat and um, no, we've still got plenty of confidence in that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the ground, actually, because, I mean, you know, she, she was beaten under a length in a quick ground Falmouth, so it's not like she doesn't handle quick, but would the consensus be that, you know, away from very quick ground, she's at her best anyway, and that you just want to take any sting out of the ground for her to be at her best? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I mean, she is relatively versatile, but I think some of her career best performances has been on easier ground, and, um, you know, up, she handles it very, very well, whereas others might not. So uh, it's, it's just a, another, another uh, thing that can play to her advantage. Good luck to, to Rob this weekend. Rishi, um, news just coming through that uh, Star Mare Very Elegant is set to um, undertake her Northern Hemisphere campaign under the, the stewardship of Francis Henri Graffard and will move to, to Chantilly on a, on a permanent basis. Um, there is a, a pretty lengthy statement out there from Chris Waller and, and the owners. I suppose the key takeaway from it is that they, they mention the arc, mm. and, and that is the only race that is mentioned. They say details as to, to where she's going to go are, are to be finalised, but interesting enough that they have really nominated that race as a, as, as a likely target, and they seemingly want to, to do it properly. No disrespect to, to Chris Waller, but they want her trained in France with perhaps an arc bid the top of the agenda. Yeah, I think it's exciting, first of all, as a racing fan. I think that's fantastic news that they're prepared to do it and do it properly in, in the sense that, you know, they want to train uh, in, in France. They want to train, obviously, targeting the arc, as you mentioned, as the main one. And, and having her train there suggests that, and when I say properly, I mean what, a prob what, a, what a, probably be a better way of describing it is that the, the easiest on her to prepare to prepare for the race as opposed to training in Australia and then traveling over, what is it, uh, you know, a shorter, a shorter time span before the race. So I think that's, that's good for the mayor. I think the word that they used in the statement uh, that um, you referred to, uh, they use the word responsibility as owners. Um, and it's interesting because responsibility has a number of different priorities. If you're, you could be responsible to the mayor, primarily, which I'm sure is their first and foremost thing. Um, but then, obviously, the responsibility of how you campaign that mayor uh, for competition purposes. And they could easily have stayed in Australia, not gone anywhere. But I think it's, it's to be commended and applauded that <clears throat> as responsible owners for such a talented racehorse that they've gone and taken up the challenge of showing her skills or not showing, not just showing her skills, but also testing what she's got, testing what she's got against something that's unfamiliar to her. And that's the beauty of sport. And when people talk about horses that don't travel, et cetera, and say, well, you know, you're, yeah, and, and I'm, 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 I'm happy to lay that at Frankel's door as well, by the way, uh, about horses that don't travel. I, I, I appreciate it. But as a sports person, as a sports fan, it's the testing of what you've got and you've shown over and over again in a new scenario, a new setting, show me something different. Show me something. That, that's, that's what keeps us going back to sport because we might see something different to what we've seen before. And that's what's exciting. So the whole very elegant being trained in France, going for the arc is a new angle to her career. And that is exciting. Yeah. And I hope that connections are rewarded for 
for this uh, bold campaigning because it only encouraged others to, to do it more in the future. And that's what we want. Okay, the Munnings exhibition, we've touched on it the last couple of days in Newmarket. You can see Munnings at his mightiest, the artist who combined a love of horses and horse racing within the style of British Impressionism. You can see his life and work in the exhibition, a life of his own at the National Horse Racing Museum. That is the 24th of May to the 12th of June in Newmarket. Uh, story number three today features exercising the horses from around 1950 when staying in Newmarket Munnings went each morning to Warren Hill to watch the morning training sessions he evoked the atmosphere in his autobiography a scene which would be familiar on and around the great racehorses up and down the land he said who's sounding on streets and roads who's sounding in stable yards as horses come and go and seated on their backs old men middle-aged men young men girls little lads in jobbers leggings trousers laziest with the longest hair mostly wear trousers all these figures of men and boys are picturesque how times have changed because now people with the, the longest hair aren't the laziest i hope um you can go and see that and please do the 24th of may to the 12th of june at the national horse racing museum in newmarket will feature one more story tomorrow rishi time for you to give us a tip funny enough tom i wasn't actually going to give a tip for today i was going to tip rogue bear on friday oh, I, I quite fancy I quite fancy Mother Earth as well, and I, I know obviously Baid is the the horse to beat, but I thought Mother Earth, she wasn't that far behind Baid in the QE2, and she's had a prep run. Uh, how many Group Ones was it that she ran in last year? Ten Group Ones or something like that. I mean, just wonderful, and the fact that she's had that prep run to get her ready, I, I think she's going to run a, a big race, and I'm sure, obviously, you know, William Haggis will have Baid spot on, but if he's ever going to be vulnerable first time up. Uh, in the lockage might be the time. So, yeah, Mother Earth for me in the lockage. You can have the double, the, the, the road bear Mother Earth double. No, I probably, I probably won't do that. <laughs> Can't be bold. I think you also <laughs> got a good chance, Rich. I, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, have a lovely day. Thanks for everyone at home for listening. That is it. Thursday, the 12th of May. Nick will return tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.